A few years ago, a band, a very popular Christian band, the David Crowder Band, hit a little bit of an old-time music bluegrass phase. During their shows and concerts and, and on some of their albums, they played a few kind of old-time gospel music songs, my favorite of which was Loretta Lynn's Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven But Nobody Wants to Die. It was a fun song, and it's a lot of truth to that, isn't there? But the most memorable song for most people was a version of Hank Williams' I Saw the Light. Many of you may remember the song, but if you don't, it's simple. I wandered so aimless, life filled with sin, I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night, praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light, no more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow in sight, praise the Lord, I saw the light. The second verse, I wandered just like a blind man, I wandered alone. Worries and fears I claimed for my own. Then like a blind man, God gave back his sight, praise the Lord, I saw the light. I think this song and this sentiment is something we can identify with, understand. Maybe our conversion experience wasn't quite as radical, but we do understand that when Jesus comes in, we see the light of sorts, don't we? Whether we were saved when the Lord reached us at rock bottom, or whether we have just reached points in life where we felt like we were at a dead end, and then we saw the light, a way forward. Christians who have faith in Jesus have seen the light in some way and it's refreshing. It changes our lives and it is what God is about. And now whether we approach that revolutionary transforming love through the life of the church or whether we were turned around like Paul on the Damascus Road or whether it was from up in a tree like Zacchaeus which we will read about in just a second. When we see the light, when we experience God's love, and when we let Jesus come in, it does make things change. I hope you believe that it makes things change for the better. And I hope you can see that how bringing Jesus in points our hearts and our lives to our whole beings becoming more humble and more generous because of Jesus' love that points us in the right direction. Today we have a story of Jesus' love pointing someone in the right direction as we turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. It's the story of Zacchaeus, and it comes from verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because He was very short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him. Because Jesus was going to pass by that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried down and was happy to welcome Jesus. All who saw it began to grumble though. And they said, he's gone to be the guest of one who's a sinner? 
Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half my possessions I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. And then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to your house, because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Jesus comes to Jericho and Zacchaeus sees the light. If you really asked him, I'm not sure if if Zacchaeus wanted to see the light, but he did want to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. And in many ways, this story is very instructive for us, despite its simplicity. I was surprised that the kids were so quiet about this story. Because it seems like this is that story that all of us know and all of us have known for a long, long time. But the fact of the matter is, it's pretty simple, at least on the surface. You can, you can get everything you need to get from the surface of this story. Zacchaeus is a despised tax collector. To put it in kids these days, the way they would say it, is that the tax collectors were like the worst. Okay? But Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. We, we never know or learn or figure out why. He was short. He got to the parade late. But he was crafty, so he climbed a tree. Jesus, Jesus notices him in the tree and somehow knows who he is. Did you notice that? Jesus already knows who Zacchaeus is. Whether it was by reputation or previous interaction or just the intuition because Jesus is the God-made flesh. He says, I'm going to stay at your house today. And this raises the ire of all of those who are watching on because Zacchaeus was a despised tax collector. He wasn't a religious leader, a special dignitary. He was the worst. But Jesus wasn't worried about that. And what Zacchaeus finds out is because Jesus isn't worried about that, he doesn't have to worry about it either. And when he comes in, the results are amazing. You know, we don't know everything that happened at that meal that Jesus and Zacchaeus shared. We, we presume he came in and had a meal, right? That's the climax of the story. They get together. They spend time together. And Zacchaeus is changed, radically changed, giving away half of his wealth, half of it. Not like a tithe, not like a tenth before or after taxes. Half of it. And it's powerful because the tax collector and Jesus reaches out to the worst, the least, and can save even him. He can save even him. Which certainly means he can save even us. Because Maybe we're not that bad, or maybe we're just as bad. But Jesus can reach in 
and save any of us, show all of us the light. That's the story on the surface. But you don't, you don't have to leave it there. You, you can go even further if you want to. And if you're the kind of person that likes to make bullet points or keep notes, here's six other things about this particular story that might be helpful. That might be helpful for us as we seek to experience God more deeply. Tax collectors in Zacchaeus' day, again, were the worst, but they were also, as we might say, marginalized people. They operated on the fringes of society. Nobody liked the tax collectors. And I don't know what the exact equivalent is in our day, but if you can think of who... Well, just be judgmental for a second and think about who's the worst. And that's who Jesus is supposed to be going to in this story. So whether it's someone who doesn't speak the language that bothers you, whether it's the panhandler who always manages to show up at the wrong time, something we're familiar with, Maybe it's someone who doesn't have the right paperwork to be where they're supposed to be. Maybe it's the convicted felon who served his time. Maybe it's someone who's still in prison. Whoever you might consider to be on the fringes, this story is telling us Jesus is going to them. Zacchaeus was the fringes, even though he was wealthy even though he appeared to have it all, he didn't. In this story, Jesus is going to the fringes. Now, second, Jesus is insistent. Jesus is saying, I'm going to your house, Zacchaeus. I am going to see you. The the language is stronger in the original than it is even here. And so we take note. Jesus isn't like, hey, do you want me to come over? Hey, it'd be nice if I could we could get together sometime. Oh, hey, let's let's do that. No, Jesus is going to go to the place where we least expect him to go. This, we need to know, we need to feel it, we need to adopt it, and we need to remember it over and over and over again. Jesus is going to go where we least expect it. The third thing, that can be upsetting. We read that the onlookers, oh, what did they say? He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. They, they stood there and they critiqued, they grumbled. But, but their language in the original is more than just the peanut gallery sitting back, crossing their arms and going, really? He's going there? The pious religious elite were the ones who were straight up upset that this guy who thinks he's going to be the Savior is also going over there. And this shouldn't surprise us because like three pages later, Jesus is crucified in Jerusalem by those same religious elite. Oh, maybe not the same actual ones, but you know what I mean. Fourth, 
Zacchaeus is a sinner. Yes, Zacchaeus is the worst culturally. But practically speaking, he's just like you and me. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Have mercy on me, Lord, a sinner. This is the prayer we all make, isn't it? Practically speaking, Jesus reaches out to the sinners. He was wrong, he was unclean. And what we see is that even in our sin, even at our worst, Jesus is still willing to reach out and meet even us. Fifth, Luke has this way in both his Gospel and in Acts, his second book, of describing the response to God that people have. The response to the Spirit, the response to the church, the response to Jesus is particularly Lukean in that it's an economic response. Luke always talks about how people respond with their finances. Jesus is reaching into someone's life and they are changed and the result of that change is an economic generosity. A fourth of our Gospels talk about the response of a huge change being an economic response, which reminds us again that how we handle our finances is a spiritual matter. It's not just a practical one. How we handle what we've been giving is a matter of the Spirit, not just a matter of practical dollars and cents. We'll say more about that in a minute. But, but finally, this unique interaction that happens between Jesus and Zacchaeus ultimately happens with the expectation of a shared table, of fellowship. Zacchaeus' life change happens when he engages in a relationship with Jesus. Zacchaeus' life change did not happen in his financial advisor's office. It did not happen because he went to a bunch of lectures at the temple. It didn't happen because he was engaged in Bible study. Zacchaeus was changed because he finally engaged in a relationship with the Savior. He didn't finally learn enough about how God wanted him to handle his wealth. No, when when Jesus came in, and shared the table of fellowship with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was then changed. Change happens through relationships. Change happens when we let others in. Change happens when we allow God to set the terms of our relationship with Him rather than us setting constraints and limits on that relationship. And this is what Zacchaeus finally does. And what we see in that, is that if we really want God to reach in to us with the light, we need to let Him. We need to let Jesus come in and set the terms of the relationship and follow wherever Jesus leads, however Jesus leads. Because if we set the restrictions, if we set the limits, if we hold something back, We can't see the light. Zacchaeus doesn't hold anything back. And so the question we face is, will we? Will we let Jesus set the terms of our relationship with him?
Will we allow God to come in on God's terms and shape us in the way God wants us to? And the fruit of that is a humble generosity that can't be ignored. Zacchaeus let Jesus in. He saw the light. Everything changed for him. He was a man who had focused on collecting possessions. And after an interaction with Jesus, he just gave half of it away without concern. This is the radical generosity that happens when we realize the light has come in. And what others think is important is not as important as what God thinks is really important. And it's not unusual for us to be struck by the light, maybe when we least expect it. I don't think Zacchaeus expected that Jesus was going to come into his life on that day. I mean, he barely even got to see him. He was up in a tree trying to be a wallflower, an onlooker, just catch a glimpse. But he was open enough that the light came in on that day. And it reminds us that even when we don't expect it, maybe that's the time when the light's going to come in. It's a funny thing. I started with that Hank Williams song about seeing the light, didn't I? Hank Williams set that song to a similar tune called He Set Me Free. It was sort of an intentional Rip-off is probably too strong of a word. Nod to a previous song. And Hank wrote that song at a most unexpected time. See, it was late one night. Hank and his band were coming back from a show, but they weren't driving. Hank's mom was driving them from Fort Deposit, Alabama to Montgomery. Hank was drunk and asleep in the back of the car. It's probably what those rock and roll stars did back in the 40s, right? And, and at some point, mom yells back, I can see the lights. She was referring to the lights of the Montgomery airport. But Hank, in his drunken stupor, thought of something completely different. In a place, in a moment, when he, was, he least expected it, Hank heard the song that he had seen the light and everything was changed. He wrote that song then. He wrote it from that place in 1948 and we're still talking about it some 71 years later. And what resonates with us still, I hope, is that no matter when, where we are or when we see that the light... When we meet Jesus, the light comes in and things change. Hank's song describes that an aimless wanderer was living in sin and the light came in and changed. The singer in the song was purposeless. He didn't have a plan and the light came in. Praise the Lord. Zacchaeus was a short man who wanted to see Jesus, so he climbed up in a tree to catch a glimpse. And the light came in and everything changed. These folks were reluctant 
These folks were just a sliver open to the light coming in. But we want the light to come in, right? That's why we're here. We want the light to come in. And and what we realize is when the light comes in, everything changes. And it changes for the better. Because praise the Lord, I saw the light. Hank sings. And Zacchaeus makes his change and gives everything away as a celebration. Not out of reluctance. Because something else became his purpose. And everything else he was chasing faded away. And so this morning, I close with that imperative that Jesus made. I'm coming into your house today. I'm coming to see you today. Jesus wants to come in, and you're here, so I trust that you're wanting to let him in in some way. Let him in and trust that the light is coming. Let him in and don't worry about the radical change that may happen. Let him in and realize that outwardly you will become more hospitable and generous. But that's because inwardly you are more hopeful and fulfilled. And because you've let the light in, everything will feel more whole. And all the other things will will fade away and become less important. And it'll be easy to say, praise the Lord for I saw the light. I pray that we see the light today. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we give you thanks for this day that we have. We give you thanks for your love which reaches us in places that we expect and sometimes when we least expect. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to let your light in. And may we not be afraid of the changes that come. Because in the changes, you reach us. In the changes, you teach us. In the changes, you walk with us. And in the changes, you help us to feel most full and most fulfilled in your love. And that is what we want to experience today. Help us to feel full of your love for this day and for the days ahead. And it's in your name we ask these things. Amen.